Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, a shrink to expand your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. And joining me today is Phil Mandel. Phil is a consultant, he's a trainer, he's a speaker, he's an author. He's a fabulous human being who uh, got to know me. We ran into each other a couple of months ago, Phil, at uh, the National Speakers Association in Oregon. Yes. Where you're a member and I was providing the program for the chapter that day. I loved it, Paul, and we all loved it, and we can't wait to have you back. Well, and I, I love my Northwest peeps. I, uh, as you know, Phil, I did my clinical internship when I was finishing my PhD in Portland. I didn't? Uh, okay, good. Where was that? Portland, Oregon. I was at a, a child and family outpatient mental health center called the Morrison Center. Oh, yes. I'm familiar. That's a wonderful organization. Right there on Powell Boulevard. And then I spent one day a week in Salem at a youth correctional facility. Fabulous. So, uh, so I've got Northwest ties, and my wife is from the Pacific Northwest. Good. <laughs> so we like to get up there occasionally. But uh, since then, Phil, we've had a couple of interactions, uh, mostly through NSA mm-hmm. kinds of events. But I've I've learned that we're on a similar track here with mm-hmm. what we're helping people to discover and learn and implement in terms of principles in their life. And you focus on things like communication and um, stress management and relationships and, and mentoring. We'll get into some of that in just a few minutes, but would you take a moment, Phil, and just share with our listeners a little more about who you are and where you're coming from? Why is this uh, a passion for you? I think it'll come out in the story. Very good. Thanks uh, for the introduction, Paul. First of all, I uh, want folks to know that I'm a recovering engineer. (laughs) (laughs) There are people who are laughing about that right now because they know exactly what you mean. Yes, precisely. And and normally the response is a little chuckle, a little laughter. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, someone kind of goes, how could you say such a thing? You know, I'm an engineer or my husband's an engineer. Right. um, You know what, Phil? I have to. Yeah. I have to just jump in here for a second because uh, some of the listeners may know this. I think I've mentioned it before, but do you know what my major was when I started at the university? I don't. Chemical engineering. Goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Whoa, you're a recovery engineer too. To be in the shrink who expands your life? I don't know. (laughs) But my son is just finishing a PhD in mechanical engineering at Purdue We've got it in our blood to go the engineering route, but maybe I went into recovery a little earlier than some. (laughs) Good. Well, I started my, uh, I retired, let's say, maybe 10 Uh years ago uh, in the mid-2000 something, 2005, 2006. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was practiced for many decades as an electrical engineer, electronics. Okay. Um, and of course, I use the word recovering facetiously. Yeah, I love the engineering mindset. I love how we 
conceive of issues and systems and look at parts and pieces and multitask and figure out what's not working. Right. What, do we, what do we, how do we want something or someone to be able to work better, communicate better, feel mm-hmm. better, perform better, be motivated better, anything like that. And, yes. and with, and I find an engineering mindset is very, very useful for that. Um, because we can drill down into the details and yet we can zoom out and keep the big picture in mind as well. Yes. Uh, I'm also a trained musician. I started uh, pretty late in life, the age of five. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Mozart started at three. What can I tell you? (laughs) Why jump onto that early if you can? I know. So, yeah. So uh, all four of us kids uh, got to take piano lessons. Um, I was kind of the only one that wasn't allowed to quit. Uh, and, uh, so for that, I'm grateful. I I do play professionally. I have a CD. I play mostly classical music, uh, for your listeners in the Portland area, September 26, 2018 at the old church in Southwest Portland. Mm. I'll be playing a free concert there at noon. Wow. I didn't know this about you, Phil. Uh, Crazy, huh? And uh, yeah. I'll be I'll be playing uh, WC and Grieg, the, the very very beautiful Pierre Gint Suite by Grieg. It's incredible. Oh, wow. Yeah, but um, so I also love the musicians' way of thinking in terms of the the, the artistic part, creativity, uh, flow, uh, the the range of emotions that music evokes. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people are happy to experience those emotions in the setting of a concert or listening to a recording. And then they get out in real life and we have kind of the American stoic, you know, especially gentlemen, you know, we're sort of trained to keep our feelings at bay. Mm-hmm. And we're, we end up being sort of two different people. <laughs> and I've had some wonderful therapy and training uh, that we can discuss uh, based around neurolinguistic programming. Um, that has helped me become more, uh, feel like a broader person. Like my musicianship has, has, has infiltrated even the rest of my life when I'm not playing music. Phil, this is fascinating for me to hear, uh, because of my own appreciation for both engineering and music. And you've got a lot of reasons to know what you know and to, to teach what you teach now. Um, I'm I'm feeling a little distracted, however. Uh oh. And <laughs> this is an audio podcast, so people can't see us right now. Right. Um, but here's something that I've noticed about you: you have a cochlear implant. I do. Now, why would that be relevant? You're also a performing musician. And you've built a successful career around all kinds of other things, too. I don't know what that has to do with it, but here's, here's why it's distracting me. Some people have conditions or, or come up against challenges in their life, and they suddenly see that as, well, this is why I can't do that. And it, it, there's an incongruency here that I think you might be able to help us address. Did, is that too much of a distraction? Uh, no, I'm very glad you asked. Mm. The, re- 
And the reason is, <laughs> thank you for being so observant. The reason is that I spent, oh, maybe the first half of my life being very depressed. Mm. Shy, withdrawn. I could never have had this conversation with you. I probably would never have been able to even approach you when you spoke at our meeting in Oregon. I would have sat in the back and hoped nobody noticed me. You probably wouldn't have been at the meeting, Phil. And may not even been at the meeting because someone might have seen me. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what we call painfully shy. Uh, and fortunately, one of your I, I I would I would suggest that he's a colleague, uh, Philip Zimbardo, now retired. Uh, forget I think psychologist uh, worked at Stanford and he established the Stanford Shyness Clinic. Mm. More important for me is he wrote a book called Shyness, what it is and what to do about it. And that really, really changed my life. That's what I talk about in one of my, um, uh, one of my talks, uh, that when I read that book, that's, that was the first where kind of the eggshell of shyness that I was enshrouded in just started to crack because there are other people like me the author of this book, Dr. Zimbardo, clearly understood me and shyness and the implications and the fears and the anxieties. Mm -hmm. um, and that made a huge difference. So here we are, uh, let's say, let's see, I'm 64, for goodness sake. <laughs> this was in my early 20s. So 40 years later, I'm still making up for my first few decades of shyness. And I'm, I'm as outgoing as I could possibly get myself to be. And with sincerity, it's not a it's not yes. a ruse, as you can tell. I'm I mean it, and I care about others. And so, when I had uh, this stroke about um, two and a half years ago, that would have been January of 2016. Uh, I had a little tiny stroke that killed my left-sided uh, hearing and balance. Wow. Basically destroyed either the nerve or the cochlea itself and the semicircular canal. So destroyed my hearing on that side. Um, really, really challenged my balance. So um, th that's, that would be devastating for anyone, of course. It was de devastating for me because as a musician, I want that stereo. I want the depth. I want to hear right. everything that the performance has to offer. Uh, and all of a sudden, I was reduced to monophonic hearing. It's like going way back to the 60s before there were even stereos. Mm -hmm. You know, you and I grew up probably in, in mono times, and then we're mm -hmm. all excited when stereos came along. So uh, it took about two years before I finally got approved and scheduled for the surgery to get a cochlear implant. Uh, and that happened now in February of 2018. Mm. So I'm five or six months into it. Uh, I'm very, very happy it's here on my head. <laughs> yeah, huh? Uh, when, when I, if someone says, you know, I need that, like I need a hole in the head, I can go, well, I have a hole in my head because <laughs> 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 the, the device has to go, uh, into the cochlea, which is deep inside the skull somewhere. And, uh, it stimulates the auditory nerve directly because the cochlea can't do it anymore. Right. So, uh, I want my old cochlea back. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, since that's not going to happen, I have uh, this. And, and what you talked about was how people might think, well, now I this is why I can't do X, Y, and Z anymore because right. I have this disability. And I, I am so... Uh, you know, my bounce back from shyness is went so far the other way. It's like, okay, darn it. Mm-hmm. I have to deal with this. Oh my God. I, you know, I don't have enough problems. I got to deal with this too. Okay. Mm. And I still do despite this disability. Right. And that mindset has always been with me. I'm also a long distance cyclist and I exercise like a madman, uh, you know, like any athlete, I get injured sometimes and, tweak a knee or, or something happens and I can't sure. bike or and then I have to hobble around for a while. So it's like, darn it. I want to bike, but I can't. What can I do? I know I can go to the gym, sit on something and lift weights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can still do physical exercise, even though I can't in that case, temporarily do things right. with my legs or feet or knees or something. It becomes a, a question of what can I do instead of, oh, here's all the reasons I can't do what I want to do. Correct. Which inspires people. And Phil, I got to tell you, that inspired me about you. As you're talking about being shy, you were one of the least shy people in that room. You came right up to me. Uh, and as you said, it was authentic. I could tell it was you were coming from from a place of authenticity as well, and then we reconnected again in in Dallas a few weeks ago. Yeah, um, you've got this presence that that says, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm here and I'm available to you." And um, the cochlear implant is part of your story now, because you. I don't know if all of our listeners are familiar with with what that's like, but you've got a a device that actually sticks to the outside of your head. And, and that brings up a lot of questions perhaps. And some people aren't brave enough to ask the questions. Correct. But this is all part of a story that leads us back to one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today, because we don't have to do this alone. And you've had people in your life who have inspired you or mentored you to a place where you could overcome not only the shyness, but setbacks that happen. You had this stroke. You weren't planning that, but you don't get to decide not to have had it either. Mm -hmm. Can you lead us into that um, here before we go into our, our break? What's been the role of mentors in your life? And then when we come back, we'll, we'll, peel into some of the principles there. Okay, excellent. I'm glad you asked, Paul. I have a program called Mind Your Mentors. Mm-hmm. And when we have more time after the break, I'll uh, be happy to dive into that. But just even just as an example, this book on shyness by Dr. Zimbardo, I didn't find it on my own. I was dating a young lady who had herself been shy Mm-hmm. She said, you know, there's this book that really helped me, and you might want to take a look at it. That The instant I got into the book and discovered how, uh, how, how personal it is for me, she became one of my mentors. I didn't know it at the time, but she was, in a sense, a lifesaver. And if I could darn 
if I, it's so long ago, if I knew how to get a hold of her today, mm -hmm. I would call her, email her, I'd find her somewhere and say, do you have any idea how much you changed my life? Wow. So mentorship is a big deal. We all have mentors. They come in all shapes and sizes. And um, I could talk about this for hours. Well, you're going to talk about it for at least a few more minutes when we come back from this break, because you've triggered some things that I think are fascinating and extremely powerful as we do what the show is all about. That's to live on purpose. So folks, as we come back from this break, this is Phil Mandel at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to Live On Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. Please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, drpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. We're happy to have you with us here at Live On Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose. DrPaulJenkins.com And we're back. Having some fun today with Phil Mandel at Live On Purpose Radio. Phil, you're bringing it. Um, you've got my mind buzzing with a number of things. And as we, as we went into the break, this realization that we don't have to do it alone, the idea of mentors, and typically when we think of mentors, we think of these high and lofty gurus on the mountain kind of a thing. But you opened up a new possibility as you shared about this relationship with a young lady who probably doesn't have any clue that she changed your life and put you in a position to now inspire and change the lives of other people. Mentors can be everyday people in our world around us. What have you learned about uh, opening our eyes to who these mentors are or how we can find them? To share some of your insights around that. I know you've got some. <laughs> Paul, you are now one of my mentors. <laughs> and you are one of mine. Thank you. Which is kind uh, of fun. Thank you. Even just having, uh, when you came and spoke to us at Oregon, uh, I before I ever said hello, I considered you a mentor because of your presence on stage, the content you shared, the organization of your talk. I mean, if the, even if I wasn't the least bit interested in what you were saying, I was, of course. But I'm already learning from you and your presentation style, your modesty as you, mm. you know, as you communicate with the audience and your timing. And, you know, I'm, I'm a longtime Toastmaster, so I'm like, part of me is noticing what are the mechanics and what is this gentleman doing that makes him so fascinating? <laughs> so before we even said hello it's like okay well here's another one whether whether he knows it or not so i'm glad i have a chance to tell you that now well thank you and i'm honored it's it's a good example too of where where we can find our mentors sometimes it's accidental yeah 
but I think it all has to do with, with being in a place where we're open yes. to receiving something. Correct. So the, the uh, genesis of my Mind Your Mentors program uh, has to do, as you recall, I talked about taking piano lessons when I was just a little one. Right. And after uh, the family moved a couple of times uh, and I, I had had just uh, really just the local piano teachers who would, who would get people up to playing, you know, simplified versions of Claire de Lune and mm-hmm. you know, simple Bach pieces and things like that. Uh, and uh, eventually my parents found uh, a fellow down the street from us at the time named Mr. Kapuscinski. Adam Kapuscinski. And since mm. no one has the time to say that many syllables, we called him Mr. Kapu. Uh, yeah. <laughs> of course, he was fine with that. Fine, fine gentleman, a fine pianist. Um, as you know, when we're kids and even when we're teenagers, we're, we're still sort of introverted. It's like, what's in it for me? And like, what, you know, mom, when's, what, what's for dinner? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we don't necessarily think beyond, okay, what do I have to practice? And, you know, how much time do I have to put in? When's my next lesson? So at the time, I didn't know about this, but he was a very, very talented and capable concert pianist. Um, this was the quality of person who uh, he, he actually was in Poland during the Holocaust. He had been captured. He escaped. He found his way from Poland to Iran, learned that language, if you can imagine that, from Polish wow. to Persian. Somehow found his way to uh, audition for the Shah of Iran, became the house pianist for the Shah of Iran, taught the Shah's children how to play. Wow. And so on. Eventually met uh, the great Arthur Rubinstein, who convinced him to move to uh, the United States, where we would have more opportunities to perform and uh, teach. I knew none of this. To me, he was just like my piano teacher. Yeah. (laughs) Darn it, he's giving me more exercises to do. But uh, I'm telling you, Paul, not a day goes by that I'm not deeply influenced uh, by my relationship with him. I was privileged to study with him from, I'll say, the age of 10 uh, until I went off to college. Um, and then uh, during a summer break, I took one or two lessons with him. Uh, so this would have been back in the early 70s, 1970s. Mm-hmm. Uh, then once I went off to college and got to started jobs and moved to the West Coast, ended up in Oregon. I, I thought about him a lot. I couldn't, certainly couldn't touch a piano keyboard without him sort of tweeting in my ear, so to speak, and, and oozing from my bones with that, that right. I absorbed from him about performance. Uh, but it, it, in the back of my mind, I always wondered, okay, where where is he and and can I find him and at least say hello sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, when I did try to find him on my own, this was way before the internet where, where you could find anybody. 
Um, I looked them up in, in phone books. I called uh, directory assistants. I said, I, he used to live in Glen Cove on Long Island. Uh, do you have a Kapuscinski there? No. How about all of Nassau County? No. How about Nassau and Suffolk County? Anyway, on and on and on. I tried everything I could think of. Could not find him. Mm -hmm. Eventually, I met a fella here where I live who uh, was a private investigator, of all things. And I said, well, I wonder if you can help me track someone down. It's not like he owes me money. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm just like dying to get a hold of my old piano teacher again. And he said, sure, you know, 75 bucks. I'll run, run through my databases and I'll do my best. Two days later, he finds out that Mr. Capu had been living in Eugene, Oregon. I'm in Portland, Oregon. This oh, is wow. a two, two and a half hour drive south mm -hmm. along Interstate 5. He had died just a few years prior to this uh, private the, investigator looking for discovery. Yeah. But I had been living here for at least six or seven years before that, meaning if I had taken the effort uh, to, to locate this gentleman, I could have interacted with him for, the, for those five, six, or seven years when we were 200 miles apart. Right. Oh, I'm telling you, I if I had to, I would have got on my bicycle, rode all day, and kissed his hands and feet for all the wonderful things he had given me when I was younger. Wow. And sadly, I never had a chance to do that live. I, you know, I don't know if I barely even ever thanked him for a piano lesson. Uh, I, I would be, I would just be so, uh, I, I, I'm constantly grieving, let's put it that way, that I didn't uh, mm -hmm. take the effort to find him earlier. And I thought, you know what? You got to mind your mentors while they're alive. Find your mentors thank your mentors and mind your mentors. There are so many powerful lessons in that Phil that I'm hearing and the humility that when you say mind your mentors, I get a double meaning from that. Uh, take care of them. That if you mind your garden or you mind your business, um, you're taking care of it, right? But sure. also mind meaning obey and have the humility to trust that they have all kinds of reasons for knowing what they know mm -hmm. and being humble enough to just try it their way mm -hmm. uh, is that second meaning that I'm picking up from it. You're sharing a powerful experience that you had here. Uh, first of all, realizing you have them, see them find your mentors, um, thank them because sometimes they don't even know that they changed your life. Right. And mind them, meaning take care of them and be humble enough to do it their way. Mm -hmm. Am I capturing this fairly? I, I think that's a beautiful summary. Uh, I would add to that even my parents. They're long gone. I probably thanked my mom, you know, for dinner because my dad made me night after night, but I never thanked <laughs> thank her. Thank your mother. 
But yeah, she got it. Uh, you know, but did I ever express my love and gratitude for everything else that she had ever given me? Unfortunately, not until she died of cancer in 1980. Uh, my father, the same thing. I am so much like my father. It's, it's. I scare myself sometimes. I look in the mirror with a certain expression, and it, I'm my dad. And, and, you know, and he was a medical doctor. So that's where my scientific background comes from mm -hmm. <laughs> and my, my deep knowledge of, of uh, biology and physiology and medicine and so on. And um, mm -hmm. uh, that, that guides my health to a large extent. And, and he instilled in me the love of exercise. Did I ever thank him for that? No, until he died of heart disease in 1983. So, you know, these are the these are the big kingpins for me, my piano teacher, my mom, my dad, and then the, the other ones who are, who are only one slight tiny tier lower with, for example, the young lady I had been dating who told me about that book, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which got me out of the, the eggshell of shyness. The author uh, of the book. And the author of the book. Oh, now that's interesting. When I moved to California initially from the Boston area. Uh, knowing that Dr. Zimbardo was at Stanford. Mm -hmm. uh, I tried to call him and I could not get past his gatekeeper. <laughs> it's yeah. like, can I just, I just want to tell him what his book's done for me. I want to love on him. I just want to, he's, well, he's too busy. He's doing, you know, <laughs> at least I tried. So yeah. my side of the street is clean because I know I tried. Yes. And I just hope to heaven that uh, that he knows how deeply he has touched, you know, so many people with his um, uh, with his work on on shyness and social right. anxiety. Yeah, at least I tried, Phil. And and sometimes it it works out differently too. I've I've been shut down at the gate so many times, and occasionally I get right through, uh -huh. and and it creates a sweet connection. Where um, you know our mentors are people too, because some of them are the sage on the mountain uh, kind of people, and then there's other everyday mentors that are all around us. If we would uh, open our eyes to that and be humble enough to uh, acknowledge them, um, you know, get past our own fears, uh, right? Because it, it really does mean something. You've shared some really powerful principles with us here today, Phil. I'm sure that some of our listeners are going to want to uh, connect or, or follow up on who you are and what you're doing. You've got a website, right? I do. PhilMandel.com. Yes, please. I, I would suggest that your folks uh, watch the spelling because uh, Phil or Philip is usually spelled with two L's. But my parents were poor immigrants, so I only got one L. So got it's one, one L in Phil and one L in Mandel. P-H-I-L-M-A-N-D-E-L.com. Okay, one L in each name. That's yep. two L's. Total. Yeah. Phil Mandel, P-H-I-L-M-A-N-D-E-L.com. And that's where they can connect with you, see some examples of your speaking or uh, – Yep. Whatever. Your books to. are there. You've got several books that you're offering. I do. Yep, absolutely. And uh, folks are welcome to contact me. I'm happy to do a telephone, you know, brief introduction, consultation. 
Uh, could be one-on-one -on -one work, could be uh, uh, speaking, breakouts, keynotes. I'm just happy to discuss Beautiful. anything people might want and see if we're a fit. Um, Phil, you're doing some good work in this world, and I think uh, you've become a mentor to some people who didn't have you before today. Thank you. <laughs> so, thank you for your contributions. And folks, you've heard it from a mentor who has many mentors, Phil Mandel at Live On Purpose Radio today. It's time now for you to go out there and live on purpose. Mm -hmm.